Anyway, welcome everyone today today's uh, uh, Dharma talk. Um, so uh, we're covering the uh, first of the ten precepts, which are listed on the blackboard downstairs, and uh, uh, th this is the precept of not killing. So, um, just to uh, think about the background of where this comes from, all of us uh, probably value our own life more than uh, any of our possessions, and um, we can empathize and think that other beings feel the same way. Uh, about their lives, and therefore we, to the best of our ability, refrain from uh, not taking life or killing. Um, and societies, uh, religions, um, philosophies around the world uh, generally have some sort of teaching about this, and uh, uh, advise against it, at least the killing of human beings. And at least in the Buddhist tradition, the uh, consequences of doing such an act are pointed out. And it uh, very much, the consequences very much have to do with one's intent. Um, it's one thing to own a gun and go out in the woods hunting with the intent on killing a deer, for example. And at the other extreme, uh, there's accidents that happen. An animal runs in front of your car. You don't see uh, an ant on the ground and you step on it. Um, so there's a vast range of situations in which one might kill. and. Uh, presumably, um, if there is no intent on your part to do so, then there are no karmic consequences. And in between, there are varying degrees of <laughs> consequence. Um, for example, if you're a meat eater and you go to the grocery store, you're not going there with the intent on killing a cow, but uh, yet you are uh, there is some consequence to purchasing a piece of dead cow that someone else has killed. Um, Trungpa Rinpoche, my Tibetan teacher, uh, my original teacher, pointed out that it would be better. The karmic consequences are less if you eat a piece of dead cow than they are in eating, say, a sardine because uh, you're... You're, you're not eating the whole cow, you're eating part of the cow, and, and the karmic consequences are shared by you and other people who also partake of that. So, um, and uh, reading up on the consequences in such books as, uh, this is sort of a Tibetan book, Gems of Dharma, Jewels of Freedom by Gampopa, uh, the worst case scenario as a Buddhist is uh, the, the greatest consequences are come from killing an Earhart who is a, a, a trained 
Buddhist teacher, I guess, and um, who happens to be your father. So that would be that would incur the the uh, worst consequences. Uh, the uh, and Gampopa points out, you know. Um, the consequences and um, that come from killing, from desire, from aversion, and also out of ignorance. Um, all of this, uh, these sorts of actions uh, that the precepts um, caution against uh, come uh, from our mental activity, and this is pointed out in. Uh, a tanka that goes back to the time of the Buddha. Um, this is called the Baba Chakra or Wheel of Becoming. And people can take one of these. Uh, it's a little hard to tell what's going on, and one could uh, teach a whole course on the contents of this, but. Uh, uh, this is a wrathful bodhisattva sort of being who is holding up a mirror uh, that uh, is a portrait of what happens in our minds. And so uh, the wheel does not turn and we do not go from one realm or mental state to another state. Um, unless we leave the center of the wheel. And so the six realms are these, uh, well, in this, well, I guess there are six. At the top is the God realm, at the bottom is the Hell realm, uh, to the lower left is the Hungry Ghost realm, to the upper left is the Jealous God realm, to the upper right is the Human realm, and uh, to the lower right is the animal realm, and each of these realms uh, as a mental state has a particular emotion connected to it. For example, in the human realm or in the god realm, uh, the emotion is sort of blissed out happiness, and at the uh, other extreme is the hell realm where the ang anger is the predominant mental state. Um, so this can be just uh, a mirror showing us the mental states that we go through during the day, um, feeling jealous, feeling angry, uh, feeling blissed out, and so forth. Or this can actually refer to realms that one can be reborn in after death, according to the Buddhist scheme of things. And all of uh, these emotions uh, are started uh, at the center of the wheel, which is actually a blank space where the wheel does not turn. Uh, but the minute that we uh, split into self and other and take a stance uh, toward other, and there are three possibilities uh, depicted by the three animals. Um, if 
there's you and there's other, then you can either like the other, uh, which is represented by the rooster, which is the white bird on the right, or you can uh, dislike the other, and that would be aversion, which is represented by the snake, and then you could be indifferent or ignorant, um, which is represented by the boar at the bottom. So, uh, out of that um, uh, splitting into self and other, um, and taking a stance toward other, one then ends up in uh, one realm or another, and um, the, there's something called the Twelve Nadanas, which are the twelve little pictures around the outer edge of the um, mirror, and these, these tell why you go from one realm to another, um, but basically one cannot stay in one realm forever, and therefore typically one, you know, during the course of the day may go from one mental state to another. They're all impermanent. And uh, the idea in, in the Buddhist teachings, uh, there is a Buddha on the upper right outside of the wheel pointing to the sun of enlightenment and the idea that one can leave the wheel altogether. So uh, um, we aim here to uh, resolve the duality of self and other which starts the whole thing uh, by you know, paying attention to our mental state in our body through the uh, uh, practice of meditation and then uh, carrying this awareness uh, into our daily life. Um, uh, interestingly enough, I recently um, came across uh, a book, um, or two books actually, by a Catholic priest by the name of Greg Boyle, um, who, uh, as Catholics are big on working with the poor, <laughs> I once had a friend who was raised Catholic, and when I had become a Buddhist, you know, I was telling her about this, that, and the other, she said, well, what about working with the poor? <laughs> You know, just stopped me in my tracks. Uh, uh, but Father Boyle uh, does work with the poor, and he was sent to, I guess you're assigned to different parishes uh, once you've completed your training as a priest, and he was sent to the poorest part of Los Angeles, where um, uh, most of the young people are involved in gangs, and you know, there's drug dealing and there's fighting and, you know, territories and, and killing um, that these young people participate in. And so it was his uh, uh, mission to see if he could, you know, intervene in this terrible <coughs> situation. Most of these kids, you know, starting very young, 9, 10, 11, you know, are joining gangs because their situation at home is so terrible. Uh, you know, they have parents who are either working or there's only one parent and that parent is abusive or does drugs. And Anyway, um, many of these young people end up on the streets and join gangs as sort of you know, 
uh, to have some sense of belonging where you know they they are respected in some way, but um, the gang activities you know, involve a lot of drug dealing and killing and other unwholesome acts. So uh, Father Greg, when he uh, arrived in this part of Los Angeles, um, you know, he tried all sorts of things, uh, you know, having gangs sign peace treaties and so on and so forth, but he found uh, over the decades that he's worked there that really the only thing that works um, in in helping these kids make peace with, with one another um, uh, within a gang and with rival gangs uh, is for them to get to know one another. And so um, he, through something now called Homeboy Industries, um, they have a uh, school program, they have businesses, they have a bakery, they have a restaurant, they have a t-shirt business, um, they do job training, they do counseling, they do rehab, um, tattoo removal, all sorts of things to help uh, these kids get a, get a, a better life. Uh, but really the only thing that he has found as a successful way to do this, and, and the kids have to come to the door voluntarily and want some sort of assistance, um, the only thing that he has found is, is that helps these kids is the one-on-one -on -one contact with another gang member that they get either in going to school with them or working next to them in the bakery or sitting, you know, serving uh, another different gang member lunch in the restaurant. Um, it's this resolving this duality of self and other that comes you know, only through one-on-one uh, -on -one contact between the, the gang members that has helped. And so uh, he um, has written uh, two books uh, about you know, uh, stories of these kids, and there are homeboys and homegirls. Uh, so this is his most recent book, Barking to the Choir, a combination of uh, barking up the wrong tree and preaching to the choir, which is something that one of the kids said. So there's you know, amusing and also heartbreaking stories in his books. Uh, the other one is um, uh, Tattoos on the Heart, and one can, uh, there's also a uh, DVD, uh, kids call him G-Dog, for Greg, uh, instead of Father Greg, and so anyway, this is a, a really nice uh, um, documentary about his work and what he does, and um, he um, now, he has people who run the businesses and the schools and all, and he mostly <coughs> tours the country um, giving talks, and he usually takes uh, a pair of kids with him um, so they can tell their stories to the audience. And as it turns out, he is uh, speaking in Pittsburgh uh, next month. 
Um, so I'm planning on going over there to, to see him if possible. He's uh, uh, there's a Catholic university called Carlo Carlo in in uh, Pittsburgh, and he's uh, giving the homily at the mass in honor of the graduating class. Uh, at St. Paul's Cathedral there, and then uh, after that he'll be uh, giving the commencement address. So, Anyway, uh, uh, an interesting application of Buddhist principles, and his books are very interesting. He's very well read. Uh, he quotes the Buddha and so Sufi poets, and uh, uh, a very ecumenical approach to the work that he does. Um, uh, and so, um, anyway, he's, uh, um, uh, an interesting person, um, and I, I had hoped to have some, uh, some cookies from the bakery to share with you, but, uh, they'll be here next week. <laughs> anyway, uh, if anybody has any questions or comments.